The gift of Jesus is what we're talking about this month for Christmas season. The gift of peace is our focus today. And we find that in Isaiah chapter 9. We'll read that in just a moment in other scriptures that Jesus speaks to us the principle of peace and how we can find his peace in our journey. Peace is a difficult space to find. Whenever you put two people together, you have opportunity for conflict. There's also opportunity for harmony and for peace there. But even in the best of circumstances, even in a loving relationship, we're going to sometimes say something, be in a bad mood, have something happen where we harm one another and we can easily lose our peace. Life in relationship is greatly challenging and God's grace comes to us and his peace comes to us to help us navigate through our disruptions and our turmoil, things that we cause and things that happen to us. We can find it, it's elusive, but it's findable. Jesus is our portion and he is our peace. Satan is the big disruptor. We know where the problems come from. Satan had a desire, we learn of it, reading the scriptures where he was an exalted angel created by God, worshiping God in the heavens, but somehow pride entered his mind and spirit. God doesn't force anyone, even created angels, to worship him forever. It's a choice. And Satan made a bad choice. Lucifer, he wanted to be like God, and that's not possible for anyone. And he got thrown out of heaven and now roams the earth to cause havoc. He's the liar, the father of lies, and a deceiver. And with the very first beginning of man on the earth, Adam and Eve put those two together and there was harmony until Satan came and disrupted their harmony, lies to them, deceives them. After that happened and Eve took of the apple of the the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that God said, just don't touch that one. Everything's fine, but don't touch that one. Satan lies to them. That's what he does. He's a disruptor. He tries to interrupt our peace, and it did. Suddenly, Adam and Eve felt shame, covered themselves, then blamed each other. <laughs> it's that woman. She made me do it. We've been blaming each other ever since. Cain and Abel brought into this world, couldn't get along. Cain kills Abel. It's the picture of how the enemy tries to bring disruption. What does he do? He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. But we also know that Jesus came to give life and that life more abundantly. That's why this matters so much. That's why Christmas matters so much. It is the gift of peace that comes to change this disruptive environment in all of the mess that the enemy stirs up, and he does it all the time. He does it even to followers of Jesus. We can find our peace, and then we can step out from it if we're not careful when we allow the enemy to mess with our mind, even in good family situations. I started looking into how many lives have been lost through some of the modern wars, just thinking about the disruption, thinking about how... The devil has come to kill. He's come to harm. And we see that in the kind of conflicts that have existed between nations. Still to this day, we're dealing with these kind of 
challenges. World War I is estimated at about 20 million lives lost worldwide. When you roll that forward into World War II, which is believed to be the deadliest war in human history, and in that one extended over the years, there were 85 million lives taken from the earth in the, the process of the Second World War, many countries affected by that, plus some of the most horrific with the Holocaust, the extermination of people just because of their Jewish heritage, six million of the 85. Unreal to look back at that. And as I was looking at that and trying to discover some of the statistics, just thinking about how we can illustrate the enemy's handiwork and how real it is, how real it is even to this day, how important it is for us to find peace in the middle of the storm. I started finding my peace beginning to get clouded just by thinking about these things, looking at them. I had to get away from that kind of search. I wasn't quite done and discovered that our American military from the beginning of our country's founding and the soldiers that have served in our military we have lost 1.2 million American lives that have fought, even Civil War included, and all of the wars that our military have been involved in, men and women. 1.2 million soldiers. The millions upon millions of lost lives have been many civilian lives in other countries where these wars have ensued. I started looking into how many souls lost their lives through the 400 years of the Atlantic slave trade. The slave trade did not just visit our soil here in North America, but in many other parts of the world. And that Atlantic slave trade went on for some 400 years. It's actually difficult to calculate how many lives were lost in that process. Some say between two to five million. It's hard to know. And some of the reason is many lost their lives in the journey on the ships, the slave ships and the inhumane treatment and they simply were buried at sea. And it's hard to calculate how many lost their lives and that began to cloud my peace thinking about that as well. I remembered just three to four years ago I was in Montgomery, Alabama. There was a missions event that I had attended with some other pastors and we were staying in a hotel in downtown Montgomery. It was a great experience for me to look at some of the history. I could walk out the hotel, which I did one night when we had some free time just by myself, turn the corner from that hotel, and I was on the street where the church is that Martin Luther King Jr. pastored. And there's plaques on the wall and history there. I meditated about there across the street from the church is a sign on the street corner of the bus stop that Rosa Parks got on the bus for a historic moment where she refused to sit at the back of the bus and that's commemorated right there in Montgomery looking up the street to the Capitol building not far from there I discovered a museum an outdoor museum that had recently been built Brian Stevenson an attorney that works for justice cases. The film um, Just Mercy and the book Just Mercy is about his story. Passionate follower of Jesus and 
trying to bring help to a broken world and established a museum for all who have been lynched and they've discovered what they could find, 4,400 names of black persons in American life who were lynched, murdered for no reason. And this museum has their names etched on these remarkable stones that hang from this edifice. And I walked around reading names and it just saddened me. And when I think about it, I find the clouding of my peace. Yet I need to stop focusing on everything that's evil and bad and begin to focus on what is good and what Jesus can do. Although sometimes those realities of the turmoil is what leads us to search for peace. It matters to be concerned for that kind of injustice and that kind of unnecessary loss of life. All of these wars, where do they come from? They don't come from anything good. They don't come from someone having a good idea, but rather someone wanting control, wanting power and wanting to control other human lives. And in that, the enemy is at work trying to disrupt our peace. I had to stop this research in that path and get back to the answer. And so that's where we're going to spend our time today. I felt it necessary to simply illustrate the reality of the world we live in, looking at some of our history. And we currently live in a time where there's great disruption of peace. There's a divided nation. We have things we don't agree on. And it seems like there's not a lot of grace for someone who doesn't see things the way that we do. And we need to find our way through the mess of the conflicts that we're in to the answer. There's an answer in the middle of all that we walk through. And we find that answer at the manger. We find that answer at this Christmas season in the one who came to set us free. And we read about it, even prophesied before he came that he was coming. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is his name, Prince of Peace. Among other majestic realities of who he is and what his names revealed to us, Wonderful Counselor, I need him to guide me and speak to me. Mighty God, there's no one greater. Everlasting Father, he's going to see us through to an everlasting joy with his presence forever, Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace, and he's come to deposit his peace in our lives. We need to fill our hearts and minds with the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus is the Spirit of Peace. There's so much in the New Testament about peace and what Jesus offers us. He offers us himself. And he's always speaking peace. Speaks to the winds and the waves. Peace, be still. Speaks to our hearts that are troubled. I bring you peace. The angels that describe Jesus at his coming and at his resurrection speak to those that were in turmoil and afraid. Don't be afraid. Peace comes to you. Jesus is 
the author of peace, he's the prince of peace. Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. I need to keep my heart at peace. When I see my heart being disrupted, I feel it. When I get anxious, when my mind is not in a good place, I need to get my mind saturated once again with Jesus, with thinking about him and what he's like. I need to guard my heart, for from it flows the springs of life. If I'm personally in turmoil, I'm going to wreak turmoil where I go, and I don't want to be that person that is a disruptor. Satan is the disruptor. I want to have Jesus, the Prince of Peace, transform me from being disrupted to being one who is brought to peace so that I can be an agent of peace for him. John 16 and verse 33, Jesus said this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus doesn't try to fake us out. He's not trying to ignore realities. He makes it very clear. In this world you will have trouble. Tribulation, it's a messy world. It's fraught with all kinds of harm, deception, evil. He describes to us, well, what we're up against, that Satan is real and he is like uh, trying to devour us. He is seeking to harm us. Jesus said in this world, you're gonna have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And before he identifies that, he says, I've come to give you peace. In, may, in me, you may have peace. That means I need to think about him. I need to meditate on him. I need to reflect on who he is in my life. And it will cloud out, crowd out the disruptions. Jesus dispels the darkness. He dispels the trouble that I'm under. And his peace will come. Even if my circumstances don't change, my heart can. Peace can come even if I'm not living in an environment of peace. Could be turmoil all around me and I could be calm. I'm at peace because Jesus is my peace. He is the gift of peace. Philippians chapter four, the apostle Paul tells us what we should focus our mind upon. This is a scripture I love to rehearse as often as I can remember it and come back to it. I find myself, oh, I, trying to share it in these settings, I feel like sometimes fairly often. So if you get tired of hearing this, please don't, because we need it all the more. I need it, I need to share it because I need to hear it. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. How will we find peace? The God of peace will be with us when we keep our mind fixed on things that are good, lovely, of good report, praiseworthy things. That's in the middle of a world that has all kinds of other alternative things we could think about. If we're not careful, we let our mind think about messes all the whole day long. 
trials, troubles, tribulations, and we think about all the things we don't like, I confess, this is me. I can be thinking about things that bother me, and I can meditate on those things, and all it does is get me more riled up. We had this week, uh, we've had on Thursdays, periodically, the Sac County Health asked for places that could house a clinic for vaccination. So we had one here Thursday. We do again this Thursday. And it was awesome to see people coming, feeling like this was a helpful opportunity for them here. And then I get told that I was in some meetings. They were trying to keep me from going outside because there were some protesters out on the sidewalk that we had a vaccination clinic here with a bullhorn shouting all kinds of nonsense. And they, they try to keep me in here because I don't do good with that. That kind of turmoil, I'm gonna give a little turmoil back probably. And uh, so you know, we, we're fine. But all that to say, I can think about that a lot. That bothers me, stirs me up. And I can get negative and when I do, you know what happens? Peace just doesn't even flow out of me. It just like vanishes. <laughs> it's not a trickle. It's like it was here and now it's not. Where'd my peace go? It just like blew up, exploded into trouble. And now I'm just thinking about things that aren't good to think about. And I have to stop and go, wait a minute. There's too much good going on here. There's too much life. There's too much light. There's too much Jesus. I need more of him in my life. Can you relate? I hope that this encourages you that we're all human. And when we discover and bump up against our humanity and peace begins to dissipate from us or flee somehow, that we stop and say, that's not where I want to be. I want to be at peace and I need to get my mind fixed on the things that bring me peace. The year was 1914 and soldiers on both sides of the battlefield in the middle of that World War I experience were enduring a dark and frozen Christmas Eve night. The Great War, it was called. The young men of that Christmas Eve were contemplating much more beyond longing for home, longing to be with their families. It was freezing cold. When soldiers on the German line placed candles on small Christmas trees, they raised them up above their trenches. It touched the hearts of their enemies. People were in a contemplative mood that night on Christmas Eve. Thinking about what? Thinking about Christmas. What is it about Christmas? It's the spirit of peace. It's the prince of peace. He came and they're beginning to think differently. Those men, thousands on both sides, spontaneously began to sing carols of Christmas and then a song that had been about 100 years old that they had learned, they began to sing Silent Night. In such a historic moment, in a battlefield environment when they put down their guns and their weapons, they actually came out of their trenches into the field called no man's land. They actually began giving whatever gifts they could to one another. They called truce for some hours. They even helped bury the dead for one another in that field. And that moment of peace came because there is one who brings peace even in the most horrific of conflicts. His name is Jesus. They began to sing silent night, holy night. All is calm, 
all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. And on a battlefield, peace begins to come. We're not in an environment that horrific. We have battles that rage around us. Our lives are not in jeopardy like that. But even in the middle of whatever mental battlefield we find ourselves in or challenges of the things going on around us, let the spirit of peace come and change the atmosphere, change us. Let peace come into our hearts that we can share it. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing hallelujah. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. When men on a battlefield began to reflect on Jesus, the spirit of peace came. It's impossible. It's impossible to have a moment like that in an environment like that. Jesus is the God of the impossible. He comes into our world so broken, into our hearts so confused, so troubled. And Jesus, his person, his peace is miraculous and supernatural. And when we really encounter him and we ask him to settle the troubles in our mind and in our hearts, peace comes. It's a peace that's real. It's a peace that's true. And even in the middle of broken circumstances, we can find our solace in him. He's the Prince of Peace. And when we have that in us, we have the chance to share it. So we can build bridges of peace with everyone. This is the mission of Jesus. He built a bridge of peace with us. Now, with peace in our hearts, we can build bridges of peace with everyone, truly. When that becomes our mission. John chapter 20, Jesus has died on the cross for our sins, paid the price for us. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the dead and he overcame all evil, everything dark, overcame death, hell, and the grave. He was resurrected. The disciples are gathered in a room, locked the door behind them. If they were afraid that if they got identified with this Jesus, that they might get in trouble too. And all of a sudden, this story unfolds. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. What does he say? The first thing after he's resurrected, he walks in a room without opening a door. His resurrected body, he can just walk through the walls entered the room. Jesus can do that for you right where you're at. He just appears. He's there. He's with you everywhere you go. What does he say? Peace be with you. His presence is peace. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They realized who it was all of a sudden. Unreal. How did he get in here? He just can. He loves us. He wants to reveal himself to us. Jesus said to them again. He said it once. Now they realize it's him. And he says it to them again. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He has to emphasize it a lot because we have a hard time receiving it. We get ourselves in turmoil too quickly. I do. And I need to keep hearing his voice say to me, peace be with you. Would you say that again? I'm not sure if I got it. Peace be with you. Oh, I get it. I receive it. Help me. And he says, I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Those two lines are a bit shocking. And theologians have kicked those statements around quite a bit, trying to figure out what did he mean. We know it's not possible for us as humans to forgive anybody's sins. Only Jesus can do that. And the Father and the Holy Spirit, they work together for that aim and goal. But here Jesus says, peace be with you, I'm sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit and those whom sins you've forgiven will be forgiven and those that you withhold, it will be withheld from them. It seems as that gets interpreted in the right context and understanding the impossibility of a human from doing this, that we become participants in the grace of Jesus saying that as we approach unbelievers, we should approach them with care, with compassion. We should approach them with peace in our hearts. And we should not be saying to the unbeliever, you're going straight to hell. When you withhold it from somebody, it will be withheld from them. They're not going to get Jesus out of that statement. Who are we to pronounce judgment that only God has the right to pronounce? He says, if you forgive, they'll be forgiven. If you withhold, it'll be withheld. If we withhold from people who aren't thinking right, who are on the opposite side of our belief system, and they're really a mess, and we want to just declare how judged their sins are going to be, that's not the approach he's calling us to. He says, peace be with you. Now I'm sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now go and forgive people. Reach out to those who don't know me yet and let them know how beautiful I am. Let them know how loving I am. Let them know of my grace and how amazing it is to know me. Walk so that they can see how you forgive them before they've even received me. If you will forgive them, they'll understand me. If you will have that heart toward the unbeliever, then they'll begin to see the goodness of my love for them. Romans 12, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. So you know, this isn't like a, like a one-off, let me take this out of context and try to tell you what I'm thinking about it. No, this is taken in context and in alignment with everything Jesus says and what the Holy Spirit reveals. The Apostle Paul tells us this, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. What do you do with people that are messed up, doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, Bless them. Really? 
Yeah, so then they'll see the peace that Jesus brings and be open to it. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Why would we want to set ourselves up in disharmony with anyone? How can I come into alignment, into a relational harmony, not ideologically, but as a person, a soul that's been forgiven by God's grace, that I can share that grace with somebody else? I'm building bridges of peace to people that need it. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Well, I can't answer for somebody else's choices. I can't, I'm not responsible for how they react to my gesture of love and grace. It's not my job. But as much as it depends on me, I can choose to be at peace. Thus, our mission at the Capitol on Saturday is to bless building bridges of peace for the homeless, for the lowly, for those that are hurting, that we can give gifts and generous love to and food and then gather on the state grounds where there's so much we're misaligned with, but we're going there to say, we're at peace, let me speak peace over you. Let me sing about Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and let me speak his will over your life. Let me love you. Let me forgive you for even the things that we know we're not in alignment with. As much as it depends on me, I'm going to walk in peace, and I'm going to extend that peace to all so that they might see Jesus in it and be forgiven. That's our heart. That's our cry. We understand what it is. The, the, the conflicts of people's thoughts and missions and th things aren't aligned with God, with our purpose. We're not endorsing that. No, all we're doing is saying, I've been changed by his love. Let me show you what it looks like. Let me speak peace to you. Let me love on you. Hey, we don't agree. That's not what we're here for. We're here to say there's a prince of peace. His peace is on me. His peace is offered you. His peace will dispel the darkness in the middle of a battlefield. We extend a bridge of peace. Tim Keller, pastor Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City for 28 years. He started it in his amazing work of grace in Manhattan. A little over a year ago, he, he I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, he retired from pastoring not retiring from his mission. He's helping plant churches around the country and doing amazing work still. But he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer a little over a year ago. It was shocking. He still has lots of life in him. He's now sharing some of the insights that he's praying through during this season of battle, not knowing how many days that he has yet. He summarizes the message of the gospel this way. The gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Sometimes we don't even want to look at our own depravity. We want to think we're maybe a little better than that. The reality is we're all pretty dark in our own, left to ourselves. We're a little more 
in need than we want to sometimes think. But at the same time, there's a Savior who loves us and his grace reaches out to us. We are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared to hope. That's the message of today. Wherever you're at, his love for you is way beyond anything you could even have hoped for. He will never push you away. His peace comes to you no matter what you've done, no matter where, where you've been. And that's the same grace and peace that he extends to people right now that are in a place of darkness. And he's depending on us. He says, peace I give you. Now I'm going to send you with peace to give peace. Build a bridge of peace everywhere you can. And then let me wrap with this. Live for others through a lifestyle of kindness. Matthew 5 and verse 9, one of the Beatitudes, Jesus spoke, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why would peacemakers be called sons of God? Well, that's his nature. We, we realize people can see at that point, man, they must belong to him. Because who could be like that? Peacemakers. We're not just peacekeepers. We're peacemakers. We're finding ways to make peace everywhere in every way we can. One of the couples that's a part of our church family here at Capitol, some few years ago, started got, got a vision to start in the month of December, 25 days, they call it, of rack, random acts of Christmas kindness. And they started on December 1st again this week. I happened to see a social media post and noticed that they were back at it on December 1st. They post these things not to boast, but to encourage, to inspire. Maybe someone else would catch the spirit of peace. So on day one, they put a basket on their front porch with some waters in it, some bags of chips, snacks, things like that, and then an envelope with gift cards to Starbucks. And they have a sign on it for delivery drivers. So like if somebody does DoorDash to their house or something from Amazon, whoever you know is a delivery to their house, on their porch, there's a sign for the delivery driver. Take what you want, have a water, have a snack, have a Starbucks card on us. We just want to thank you for the work that you do and helping us. And that was their day one random act of kindness. Thought, what a great idea. On day two, I noticed that they posted a link to our giving tree. And that they participated in giving for families that were helping next Sunday. And they posted a link and said, for anyone else who wants to check it out, here's a link you can go to to help with the giving tree and helping families at our church. I thought, how special was that, that they made that happen? Day three, they had called Loaves and Fishes. Loaves and Fishes, one of my favorite charities in our community. When I was out on the street for some days, I went there a lot. They feed about seven, 800 people every day. They help the homeless. There's mustard seed school. They do school for homeless children there. It's a remarkable place and their love is quite special. They called asking what kind of things they needed. They found out they needed tents, blankets, and tarps. 
So on Black Friday, they started researching and found some incredible deals. And they bought at really low price, 10 tents, 10 tarps, 10 blankets, put it together and took it to Lowe's and Fishes. That was their random act of kindness on day three. Yesterday was day four. I haven't followed up on that one yet. But every day they'll do something. I know in the past they've done things like been at a gas station and saw someone they thought might need help and try to kindly and with dignity ask someone if, if they needed help and filled up their gas tank with gas just because they could. Going through a drive-through, paid for the person behind them, whatever it was that they were getting. Every day they're just thinking of something. What can I do today? 25 days. Something happens when you practice that kind of kindness. They do it with the spirit of Christmas in mind, but they don't stop at that. It becomes a part of who they are. And that's what happens in our lives when we're reaching out to others. We're building bridges of peace. We live for others through a lifestyle of kindness. It's because we receive the peace of the Prince of Peace. And when we do, peace I give you, now I send you. Those who have received peace are great peacemakers. And that's our prayer is that we'll be able to be that kind of person that draws people to Jesus. Everybody needs to know the Prince of Peace. And when we have received him, we can walk in peace with those around us. Father God, we trust you to give us your peace today, special and deep and personal. Thank you for it. If you need his grace to cover you, just pray with me. Jesus, I know I've done wrong. I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for taking the penalty of my sins and paying for it. And I accept your gift of love that you've offered me. Give me your peace. Let it come in my heart and stay with me. Whatever trials come, Lord, let peace overwhelm the trial. Help me to keep my mind on you. I want to follow you. I want to live with you. In Jesus' name, amen.